and welcome to Interlink. It is the podcast series under the Center for New Economic Studies, OP General Global University. Interlink aims to break down barriers between various social, political, and economic issues, and also have nuanced discussions about the intersections between them. I am Ishani Sharma, a research analyst at the Center and an international relations graduate. I'm also joined by my fellow research analyst, Shriya Bhayana. This podcast is part of a recently initiated special series in collaboration with the newly established Jindal Global Center for G20 Studies. Under the special series, we would be conducting a series of conversations on themes related to the G20's focus areas under the Indian presidency. For today's episode, we would be discussing the theme multilateralism. Our guest for today is Dr. Neha Khetripal, who is an associate professor at the Jindal Institute of Behavioral Sciences. She earned her PhD at Macquarie uh, University in 2016. Currently, Dr. Khetripal is engaged in investigating aspects of political memory and how these influence international relations and political diplomacy as part of a research portfolio on collective memory that she's developing at GIPS. Thank you for taking out the time and joining us today, Professor. Thank you, Ishani. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So um, to begin with, what is it that motivated you to choose multilateralism and especially the Indian way of multilateralism as the point of focus for your recently published article, The New Age of Multil Multilateralism? the Indian way. And as a follow-up, how do you think it's important for the larger geopolitics of the world? Thank you, Ishani. So basically, Ishani, as you uh, may know, I'm a behavioral scientist by training. I have my uh, undergraduate training in psychology that was followed by cognitive sciences and so on and so forth. So uh, before I joined the Jindal Institute of Behavioral Sciences, I became interested in community psychology. And as a means of becoming interested in community psychology, I was also interested in the larger forces, societal forces that could have an impact on the community as a collective and as a whole, which basically pulled me towards understanding the new age multilateralism. This was paired by recent rhetoric on multilateralism, where people have been uh, sounding very dissatisfied with multilateralism, uh, which is basically aired in statements such as uh, it's the failure of multilateralism in the new world, which is basically challenged by contemporary issues and so on and so forth. So my crave for understanding what uh, the factors that have an impact on community, our community way of living, and um, the current developments in political sciences basically pulled me towards this topic. Um, as far as uh, the impact of uh, multilateralism on larger geopolitics is concerned, I think I became very much interested in India's role in it, um, basically, uh, in uh, uh, like basically because India is holding the current presidency of G20 and India has of late come to play a very important role in the global geopolitics. If you look at the whole entire situation, basically um, the way I decide it is uh, we look at it this way. So basically with the rise of globalization and connectivity, we've basically been prime to reinterpret the meaning of this term, multilateralism. 
multilateralism, uh, the way it was invented after the end of Great War was basically very different from the implications that it holds now. So multilateralism at the end of the Great War was basically, um, it came into being to solve the problems that existed then and to basically encourage cooperation where the newly emerging countries from the shadows of colonialism basically had no role to play. Now, this has changed considerably in the contemporary times where uh, countries have moved on considerably from that time. And they basically want to be heard in this global arena. I think all of this put together makes it a very exciting time to study multilateralism as it stands today. Thank you for your insight on this very interesting perspective on how community psychology interacts with international relationships. Professor, going forward, you mentioned something about millilateralism mm -hmm. in your paper. Would you please elaborate on, on your understanding of India's adoption of a millilateralism stance in, in, in its foreign policy? Yeah, thanks, Shreya, for that question. So basically, um, many people understand millilaterals or millilateralism as a subset of multilateralism. Many people also feel that because of the contemporary failure of multilateralism, we are currently witnessing a rise in minilaterals or minilateralism. I feel to, uh, to an extent, this may be true. And India is basically playing a very strategic role that uh, when it comes to minilateralism by the virtue of the fact that it has been very experienced in the past with the concept of non-alignment or strategic autonomy, as some may like to call it in the modern times. So I think India is trying to play safe by adopting this concept of minilateralism. In the interim, when our contemporary multilateral systems, they seem to, uh, I mean, they seem to be a failure when it comes to the contemporary times. So for instance, um, if you look at the role, I'll give you an example. If you look at the role of multilateralism in crisis, we can begin with the WHO, the World Health Organization. Uh, so the example of WHO is very revealing, so to speak. So in the past, the WHO may have accomplished a lot with its mission when it comes to handling a global health crisis, right from the beginning of eradication of smallpox in the 70s, uh, then moving on to its paralysis when faced with the outbreak of AIDS in the 1980s, and its role as a whistleblower during the 2003 SARS outbreak, which stands in stark contrast to its uh, erratic management of H1N1 virus in 2009 and uh, followed by the Ebola crisis in 2014, and not to forget our current pandemic situation, COVID-19. So this is just an example uh, to, uh, I mean, say that um, it's just not the WHO, but there are other organizations that seem to be not standing up to their promises, so to speak. So. It, I mean, I, I think it's a safe and a smart strategy to be aligning or, uh, I mean, or, uh, I mean, playing a strategic role when it comes to minilateral, minilaterals for solving contemporary world problems. And I think the larger agenda of India is to come up with solutions in smaller groupings before those solutions can be scaled upwards or moved forwards. Um, in a two-tiered system or something like that. This is what I feel. 
Um, that is really interesting, Professor. And uh, just a follow up to what we're discussing on minilateralism. Um, what, in your opinion, are some of the pertinent reasons for this shift or this pivot in India's foreign policy towards issue based international alliances? Um, thank you for that question. So um, historically, um, I think countries like India, they've shied away from playing a role in shaping the balance of power dynamics in the region. But this has considerably changed, uh, specifically given uh, the rise of the middle power, so to speak, the rise of China and the contemporary um, uh, geopolitical situations in the Indo-Pacific. So I think all of these interesting uh, fen uh, like dynamics have le uh, led to a position whereby countries like India and specifically India, it seems that they are all interested in adopting a pragmatic approach to molding at least the regional order, if not the global order, that has basically led to this rise of alliances and issue-based, um, like issue-based international alliances, so to speak. Even though we all agree that minilaterals cannot replace multilateral, uh, multilaterals to achieve true global cooperation, but I think the contemporary thinking is that at least in the interim, they can supplement the work of multilateral organizations, at least by providing a platform for confidence building amongst the small, uh, smaller groupings of countries to begin with. That might perhaps pave the way for the new generation of multilateralism to kick in. Do you think that India's position of non-alignment or strategic autonomy during the Russian-Ukraine crisis can impact its resolve for multilateralism at the G20 summit? If so, could you please elaborate on the same? Um, yeah, another interesting question. Basically, again, I would like to re-emphasize my previous point. And I, I, again, would like to say that the middle power moment has arrived. And um, <clears throat> so I think India's position uh, on the current Russia-Ukraine crisis basically has a lot to reveal or basically serves as a good platform to understand its position or its resolve on multilateralism, specifically when it comes to the current G20 presidency. Um, I feel that basically India strongly believes in giving room or an equal footage to all the countries out there, specifically countries that come from the global south. In other words, India is basically a very staunch supporter of wisdom of many rather than a monopoly of a few. So I think that uh, India is basically actively not only uh, pursuing minilateralism as an interim solution, but it is also engaging um, in a lot of um, other uh, sort of political coordination, such as when it comes to uh, vaccine diplomacy, other soft power tools to basically enhance cooperation and coordination when it comes to international relations. Uh, so I think maybe the idea over here is, if we look at it this way, India is trying to basically build cooperation and coordination with other countries 
so that it can basically make use of this built relationships for solving other more complex problems, which perhaps uh, find no solution at the moment uh, when it comes to the multilateral platform, if that answers your question. Um, yes, Professor. And you mentioned how India uh, sort of plans to take all the countries together, especially focusing on the global south or the developing or the underdeveloped world, uh, to say. So in that regard, and taking into consideration India's current presidency, for the G20, uh, Dr. Jaishankar, our uh, foreign minister's plan for the G20 development ministers meetings in August of this year is currently underway and the meeting is also likely to be hosted at Varanasi. So uh, what in your opinion is the significance of this particular meeting from both a domestic as well as a foreign standpoint? Um, thank you so much. I think... Um... That's a very smart strategy uh, or a means of uh, exploring the soft power status that presently uh, India and many countries like India have access to. When it comes to planning uh, important meetings, when it comes to G20 in historic or in cultural places like Varanasi. In line with that, India has been actively pursuing to promote yoga uh, in terms of like uh, on an international platform. And similarly, um, I think it's, I mean, in other words, just to put it this way, if we look at it, uh, as I said to you previously, that maybe it's, uh, it's a smart strategy to make use of the soft power tools, which could perhaps be used in combination with the military uh, power or other diplomatic and strategic decisions to basically um, build a platform or sort of do the groundwork for, um, for multilateralism in the contemporary sense of the term. And um, again, I think everything boils down to collective security. So if you look at it, when multilateralism came into being after the end of World War II, it was basically um, to support Support peace processes. Basically, it was to support the countries that were coming out of the shadow from uh, the shadows of the great world wars. But now our times have considerably changed. Our idea of collective security has also changed a lot, which means that if you look at it, um, our contemporary uh, problems, which were not known back then, what they have done, they've basically done to expose the vulnerabilities of the current global governance. And we are trying to chase new questions over here. We are trying to ask interesting questions such as, can military power be the answer? Should we uh, only vest the decision-making power in the hands of few countries? Should they always have an upper hand? And should the other countries, specifically from um, like from the global south and the emerging countries, should they always be following the, um, the orders, in other words, so on and so forth? So there are many interesting questions that several countries are particularly bent upon asking. So I think this brings us now all together to a new concept of collective security, which uh, I think is just not very tied to military threats, threats, 
but also other forms of issues that are very intimately woven with the idea of um, territorial secu uh, security. And these uh, sort of issues range from the health crisis, arms and drug trafficking, international terrorism, environmental disasters, the health crisis in the form of various pandemics, they're all uh, forcing us to ask and re revise our thought processes when it comes to collective security. When the concept or, or the very idea of collective security has changed in our contemporary times, we also need a very new definition of multilateralism. And perhaps at this moment, uh, it seems to me that one strategy to get there would be to chase mini-lateralism in the interim before we can scale these solutions to uh, the platform that follows from there, if that answers your question. Professor, it uh, really does. And I think it cues us up for the next question as well, which is mm -hmm. what, do you, what changes do you think can India's international and domestic position experience in this new age of multilateralism? Um, again, I think that uh, wisdom of many should um, should be the motto over here. And uh, by the virtue of the fact that India is trying to maintain very cordial relationships um, with several countries of the world, that includes Russia, that includes China, that includes all the other countries in its neighborhood, is basically hinting at the possibility that India is trying to build relationships that are not only based on military power, but also on soft power, so that these can be basically deployed when it comes to larger issues that demand our attention. And I think that uh, India is going to set a very good example. Specifically, it has a very apt platform because it is holding the current presidency of G20, and it can encourage um, the other countries to follow a similar kind of example, whereby the international relationships, they have to be built all the time, um, sometimes in the background, all the time, all throughout, even in the absence of an active conflict, so that these can be basically made use of or tapped into when it comes to a point when there seems to be uh, the uh, when it seems to be an active uh, active conflict that might be building up on the horizon and i also think that india is also bringing up very interesting um, aspects over there for instance other aspects of gender parity that it is trying to encourage to another motto such as nari shakti when it comes to platforms such as impar 20 or um, T20, where uh, the ideas about gender parity are slowly gaining momentum. And it's a very, uh, I would again like to say, I think it's a very interesting idea that even we are trying to sort of build the idea of gender parity into a collective sense of security, whereby we want to encourage women to take up strategic and important positions when it comes to diplomacy, when it comes to international relationships. Because women can basically bring up or come up with different perspectives that might seem to offer different solutions or niche solutions to uh, to our modern day conflicts that seems to be looking for new solutions, so to speak. Uh, 
Thank you, Professor. And building on how you said gender parity is becoming increasingly important uh, today, uh, that brings us to our last question. And also to uh, sum up uh, the entire conversation that we've had, what do you think is the way forward for multilateralism in general? And how can India lead the way in transforming platforms such as G20 to be able to bring about some much needed improvements in the international arena? Uh, thank you. I think that moving forward, like uh, the result would be the net result of all of this dynamics would be a two-tiered solution, as I hinted at before. Two-tiered solution as in coming together in small numbers to solve the pressing solutions for which a larger group of countries do not seem to come up with a solution. So meeting in smaller groups, finding a solution in smaller groups to uh, geopolitical issues, and moving uh, the solution that have uh, that the smaller groupings have come, uh, like um, the, uh, I mean, uh, to which the smaller groupings have agreed to, and representing that solution at a larger scale and debating, having crosstalks about that those agreed upon solutions that have been brought forward from smaller groupings to a higher grouping perhaps again boils down to the idea of a two-tiered governance system, a global governance system to tackle modern day problems in the idea of protecting our collective sense of security. That might seem to be uh, something that we are gradually moving towards. Uh, I mean, if you are looking for a conclusion from all of this, perhaps. Thank you. Thank you, Professor Neha, for your interesting, very interesting uh, insight on G20 presidency, especially as from your background as a psychologist and how community psychology has come to effect and can come to effect how India deals with uh, with itself and its, its positioning in international relations. Uh, I think your perspectives, especially your perspectives on minilateralism and the idea of dealing with problems one level at a time was very interesting and i would just like to thank you once again from interlink for joining us on this amazing podcast thank you shreya and thank you ishani so much for organizing this thank you professor